Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for May 30th. In the year of our Lord, 2022, this is our one of two, and the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. And by the way, we believe the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers. What are the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips? As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to the broadcast. It is indeed Memorial Day, and we are absolutely live. It is a day to remember. It is a day to have gratitude and appreciation for those who have gone before, who have sacrificed much. But more importantly, it's a day to remember our role in the present to ensure the legacy continues for the future. That's what we focus on 24-7, six days a week. On the Sabbath, we rest. Today's no different, yet we want to call it out as a special uh, effort to be live today, to spend time with our friends and family around the world who believe in the sacred cause of liberty. First, a quick recap of Saturday's show. As you know, we are live six days a week, libertyroundtable.com, lovingliberty.net. And we talked about the fact that a teacher propped open a door just a couple of minutes before the shooter walked right through it, unchallenged, ladies and gentlemen. Stephen McCraw, he's the director of the Texas Department of Public Safety. He's the one that's reporting that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Do you believe it's a coincidence? that a teacher propped open that very door, the same door, literally a couple of minutes. I mean, I'm not talking an hour. I'm talking about literally two or three minutes before the shooter walked through that very same door. Is that a coincidence? Uh, What do you call that? Is it serendipity, ladies and gentlemen? Was it God's plan? Or was there another plot afoot? I don't know. But I know this, we're seeing more and more and more strange connections that absolutely look to be, to me, like intentional manipulation of the people. Now, they claim that we peddle propaganda in the news because they don't like what we report. Never mind, we're factual. Never mind, evidence proves us right and them wrong over and over and over again to the point of ob nauseum, right? But in addition to all that, are they now peddling propaganda, but manufacturing the very propaganda they peddle? In other words, think about it this way. Oh, my gosh, everybody's gone crazy with guns. We've got to enact gun control. That's the narrative. That's the dishonesty. But yet, hey, they create false flag shooters, false flag scenarios, false flag mayhem in America to back up then the, quote, panic-driven need. Is that what's going on? It sure looks like that to me, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Sam, you don't have any proof. There you go again on your conspiracy theory whacked out views. Oh, but when you study how many of these people are on psychotropic drugs, when you study how many of them are in mental health counseling, when you you start to say, you know what? We may not be able to create a flat-out cause and effect relationship, 
but we certainly can create this scenario that isn't it interesting how almost every one of these shooters are on psychotropic drugs. The same narrative tracks virtually all of them. All right, we talked with our guest, Chris Carlson, doing a great job. He says, without God, we can never win. With God, we can never lose. The battle for freedom is the Lord's, but we must be engaged in the fight. And so we had a discussion about all things liberty. And we specifically discussed an incredible book review. The book is called This Nation Shall Endure, written by Ezra Taft Benson. Great book, by the way. Religious freedom cannot prosper where political freedom does not exist. For man to exercise fully the agency God has given to him, his God-given natural rights must be recognized and protected. Okay? You can't have political freedom where there's not religious freedom. And you can't have religious freedom where there's not political freedom. You got it? Today, ladies and gentlemen, we live in a land choice above all other lands. There's both a blessing and a cursing on this land. What is the blessing? Keep my commandments and you shall prosper and be protected. What is the curse? Oh, disobey my commandments and the gloves come off and you'll become slaves on the very land your founding fathers fought for. That's the reality that we face, ladies and gentlemen. Biblically speaking, to back up that claim, God says if we repent and turn to him, he will heal our land and protect us. What a great, great blessing that promise is if we but take heed. Where are our founding fathers today? Some ask. Some are serious about that question. Others kind of mock tongue-in-cheek, right? Ladies and gentlemen, we have been recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power in this nation. But the sad part is we have forgotten God, ladies and gentlemen. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserves all of us in peace. And we have multiplied in riches, in strength, in the United States, right? We have vainly imagined the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom or virtue of our own. It isn't true. Unless we, the citizens of this nation, forsake our sins, political and otherwise, and return to the fundamental principles of Christianity and of constitutional government, we will lose our liberties, we will lose our freedoms, we will be in jeopardy of losing our exaltation. Okay, you cannot be saved by God when we sin and when we disobey God. We must obey the author of liberty if we want liberty itself. I say to you, the price of liberty is and always has been blood, human blood. And if our liberties are lost, we shall never regain them except for it be the price of blood. They must not be lost, writes J. Reuben Clark, quoted by Ezra Taft Benson in his book. How serious is our duty to uphold the Constitution, I ask? A citizen of this country cannot do his duty and be an idle spectator, writes Benson. Boy, do I agree. 
Ezra Depp Benton in his book also says this, and I agree. I reverence the Constitution of the United States as a sacred document. To me, its words are akin to the revelations of God. For God has placed his stamp of approval on the Constitution. That's important to understand. God has placed the stamp of approval on the Constitution. We talked about the enemy within the gate. There's a lot of enemies within the gate of betrayers, right? But the enemy within the gate primarily is immorality, folks, that he speaks of. We cannot be a moral people and turn our back on God. It isn't possible. We continued the book review, This Nation Shall Endure, by Ezra Taft Benson with Chris Carlson. And in the book, it presents a fervent plea in defense of man's God-given rights and a challenge to all Americans to overcome their complacency about America's continued prosperity. And it pleads for us to focus on our own role in her destiny. We have a role to play is the point that Benson taps into. How are you going to deal with your role? What are you supposed to do? I submit to you that you should get on your knees, pray to God and find out, and then get up and go to work. That's what I'm doing. Pray you'll do the same. We then broke down two parables. The parables of the workers in the field and of the talents. And we related that to our duty. We talked about our problems today are centrally problems of the spirit, ladies and gentlemen. The solution, listen, the solution is personal and national reformation. In short, it's to bring our national character ahead of our technological and material advances. Repentance, ladies and gentlemen, is the sovereign remedy to our problems. Think about that. Repentance is the sovereign remedy to our problems. That's powerful, folks. That hits on the real truths, the real solutions, does it not? The Supreme Court denied a petition from 10 Republican states on Thursday, requesting it to block key Biden administration uh, agenda items, regulations. The regulations say anytime you admit CO2 or whatever else, yeah, the social cost of carbon policy, if you will, uh, then you're going to have to report on it. The state sued. But the high court rejected the 10 states lawsuit without giving a reason or even listing which justices opposed it. Ladies and gentlemen, I say they're barking up the wrong tree when these 10 states go to the courts. My response is this. Nullification is the rightful remedy. Nullify it now is what I would say. All right, when we get back, our guest, Lowell Nelson, campaignforliberty.org, will be with us. You are listening live on Memorial Day to Liberty Roundtable.
Have you ever had great honey? No, I mean really good, all-natural, raw honey? Well, now you can, thanks to localhoneyman.com. We can ship out our locally made honey all across the U.S. So don't worry, you won't miss out. Plus, Local Honey Man has so many different flavors, like Utah Wildflower, High Desert Delight, Happy Valley, and Blackberry, just to name a few. So purchase your delicious raw honey today at localhoneyman.com. Do you treasure your liberty? Well, at LovingLiberty.net, we most certainly do. And we want to help protect your liberty, too. Become part of the family. Everyone knows that the core of any society is the family. Therefore, the government should foster and protect the integrity of its family. We the people. Won't you join us as a Loving Liberty sponsor to help us promote the principles in the 5,000-year leap? Let's restore the miracle that changed the world at LovingLiberty.net. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the line of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. All right, back with, you, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Our guest, Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, doing a phenomenal job before we kick off the topics today. Ezra Tab Benson writes this, and I concur, Lowell. Repentance is the sovereign remedy to our problems. You want to respond to that one, sir? Yes, ma'am. Repentance meaning turning away from our, our foibles, our sins, our weaknesses, our vices, and instead turning toward God and doing what he commands, what he counsels, what he inspires us to do, which is good unto all men, whether we like them or not, we are to do good unto them and thereby reverence our God. Sam? There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I just wanted to highlight that because that book review was so good. All right. You got to ask the question Ron Paul's asking, what's Biden's? End game in the Ukraine, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is serious business, ladies and gentlemen, especially to discuss on Memorial Day. Lowell? Well, it is important because we're risking a nuclear war with another superpower, namely Russia. And uh, we're doing it, uh, you know, we, we've already discussed this issue about the $40 billion aid package to Ukraine in pretty thoroughly on our last show, our, our show last week. But there's just two other points I want to make about this, this aid package. Uh, and number one, in the words of Ron Paul, he says this, quote, There is a reason that our Constitution grants war powers to the legislative branch, forcing members of the House and Senate to declare the U.S. to be in a state of war. It also enables them, through the powers of the purse string, 
to define the goals of the war and particularly what a victory looks like. That presents the kind of mission creep and shifting objectives that have characterized our endless wars in the 21st century, including this current proxy war with Russia, <clears throat> end of quote. In other words, Sam, well, I, I believe what he's saying is that it always pays <clears throat> to uh, highlight the blueprint for liberty, the Constitution for the United States. Right? That's our blueprint for liberty. If we would just follow it, then most of our problems would evaporate. And, and Ron's point is that waging war should not be done <clears throat> unless there is a declaration of a state of war by Congress. So that's the first point I wanted to make about this this, uh, this aid package. Number two, uh, well, and it's a point that we didn't make last week, so that's why I'm making it today. And number two, I, I mentioned this because the New York Times editorial board recently, just late last week, actually dissented from the general attitude of the Biden administration. And I find this very unusual. I mean, it was commonplace when uh, Trump was in office, but it's very unusual for them to go against Biden's attitude. What they wrote was this, quote, it is still not in America's best interest to plunge into an all-out war with Russia, even if a negotiated peace may require Ukraine to make some hard decisions. And U.S. aims and strategy in this war have become harder to discern as the parameters of the mission appear to have changed. A decisive military victory for Ukraine over Russia, in which Ukraine regains all the territory Russia has seized since 2014, is not a realistic goal. End of quote. <clears throat> Sam, so that's a very telling admission by one of the mainstream organs, the New York Times. And uh, you know, Ron Paul points it out and then ends his column with another insightful question. He is so good at asking questions. Quote, isn't it time to stand up and demand that both parties in Congress start asking some hard questions? <laughs> End of quote. Yes, I would answer, Ron, it is past time. Sam? Isn't it time to stand up and demand that both parties in Congress start asking some hard questions? Yes, indeed. I agree with that. And we need to uh, ask ourselves, really, you know, do we have the money for this? Is this really uh, creating peace in the world? And I can go on with the questions, but I really want to highlight, you mentioned this, <clears throat> but I want to circle to it for greater emphasis, especially on Memorial Day, Lowell. Rand mm -hmm. said this, there is a reason our Constitution grants war powers to the legislative branch. Okay? Basically forcing members of the House and the Senate <clears throat> to declare the U.S., uh, to be in a state of war because it enables them to do several things. Uh, they hold the purse strings, and it requires them to define the goals of the war, particularly what a victory looks like, how we're going to get out of the war or finish the war after we've accomplished the objectives, what kind of mission it's going to be like to prevent mission creep. Um, you know what? We can't have shifting objectives, never-ending you know, ideas. Uh, this is why Congress, the broadest group of representatives in government uh, is supposed to sign off on this because they answer directly to the people uh, as well. This is all by design, and Ron highlights this, and I think it's worth really visiting. Whenever we go to these wars where Congress has not doubled down and done their duty, in my opinion, we allow Congress to betray us. 
Why? Because they're derelict in their duty, ladies and gentlemen. They cannot ignore it and let the president go to war, let the president garner the funding. They have an obligation. They've shirked their duty. And this is something that we really need education on because people should be very serious, and especially this Memorial Day weekend when our congressmen and senators are coming home right now. We need to talk to them and say, listen, you, you've had us in wars for literally my whole lifetime, undeclared, spending us into oblivion. When are you going to call a halt to the con game? When are you going to stand up and stop it? Anyway, I wanted to really call that out, Lowell. And, and for good reason. Well done. I wish someone had asked that question at the debate last Thursday night, <clears throat> but no one did. Um, in fact, I don't know that the audience was allowed to, to ask the questions. They were com- composed by the, de- the makers of the debate. But <clears throat> had I been asking questions, I would certainly have asked that one. That why are we in Ukraine? Why are we funding this war without a declaration of war by Congress? It's a great question. I, I, I urge everybody this weekend to to contact their congressman and ask that question. It's a great question. Expect an and answer. Demand an answer. Amen to that. What Lowe's talking about is the congressional third congressional district in Utah debate took place between the two people that survived. Um, and will be what, uh, in the primary, I guess? Yeah, both of them are in the primary. All right. We're yeah, talking John, about Curtis, uh, uh, John Curtis collected signatures to get on the primary ballot. He lost the convention, but because he collected enough signatures, they're both uh, uh, on the primary ballot. John Curtis on one hand, Chris Herod on the other. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, that's, that's our lineup for uh, the 3rd Congressional District here in Utah. Primary is June 28th. And, uh, of course, there's going to be balloting in a couple weeks preceding that. So be on your toes, ladies and gentlemen, especially if you're in, well, all across the country, right? I mean, uh, members of Congress, members of uh, the U.S. House are elected every two years. So somewhere in your district, someone's running for election. You make sure you get out, vet those candidates, and, and vote for the one who's, who's going to adhere to the Constitution most closely. Sam? There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I I think it's important to uh, have these debates. The sad part to me is it sounded like at the end of the day, everybody was just kind of in their own camps, even after the debate, because there was no real hardcore defining questions asked, Lowell. That's my take. Yeah, there were a couple issues. I mean, public lands, they may be different on that a little bit. Uh, Immigration, they may be different on that a little bit, but... I, I just didn't see a clear separation. I mean, I mean, I I know there's a clear separation between these can, two candidates because I've watched John Curtis's voting record while he's been in office, and I also watched Chris Harrod's voting record when he was in the state legislature, and they are very different voting records, very different. Uh, John Curtis votes just like most neocons from from Utah, and uh, Chris Herod, he votes more like Ron Paul would have voted had Ron Paul been in our Utah legislature. Now, so let, me me, pause you there. let me pause you there before you go on. I don't mean to interrupt, mm-hmm. Lowell, but this is really vital. Yeah. This is why the delegates matter, ladies and gentlemen, because mm-hmm. Lowell has taken the time to compare these voting records. When they're on the campaign trail and they talk good and you don't really ask hard-hitting and then follow-up questions, it's easy to think there's minor differences between the two. But taint true. But you got to know the voting records and the detail of where they really put their money where their mouth is, so to speak, where their actions are to really understand there's a vast difference. Lowell? 
Oh, absolutely right, Sam. Yeah, vast difference. And um, I'm just here to tell you that if you're in the 3rd Congressional District in Utah, please vote for Chris Herod um, because he will be uh, he will he, he'll be another Thomas Massey back there in Congress. He'll be another Ron Paul. He'll be he'll be one of these guys who doesn't vote with the crowd. He'll actually ask the question: Does this align with the Constitution or not? And then vote accordingly, Sam. Quick pause, ladies and gentlemen, on this Memorial Day. We wish you a happy Memorial Day. But we hope you take a moment to reflect on why Memorial Day even exists. What's the benefit of the day if we don't remember why? Liberty Roundtable Live with Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. The Nepal Army is reporting the wreckage of a prop-powered plane that vanished from radar with 22 people on board has been found in the mountains of Nepal's Mustang District on Monday. That location is a few hundred miles northwest of Kathmandu. One of the young victims of the Uvalde, Texas school massacre bled to death while waiting for over an hour for police to come to the rescue possibly dying because of the choice not to confront the shooter. State Senator Roland Gutierrez told CNN over the weekend that a victim's mother recalled to him how the child might have lived if cops hadn't been slow to move in on the killer. It was a wrong decision, period. There's no no excuse for that. Texas Department of Public Safety Director Steve McCraw on the police delay to confront the active shooter. For more information, visit us online at usaradio.com. We are USA. Radio News. Did you know most vitamin supplements don't even come from food? Even the products with colorful fruits and vegetables adorning the labels are seldom derived from produce. Typically, supplements are synthetic, made in a laboratory. Modern science may synthetically imitate these chemicals, but your body isn't fooled. It knows the difference, and it craves quality materials to build, repair, and fight illness. You need to consume fruits and vegetables daily in a variety of colors, as well as whole grains and other fresh food. That's why I formulated Mounds of Nature. I wanted to be able to give my patients a natural alternative to the cheap, unnatural chemistry by giving them real fruits and vegetables. In fact, the only ingredients inside a Mounds of Nature are whole fruits and vegetables. Don't settle for imitation nutrition. Reach for the good stuff, the real stuff. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com. Get 35% off your first preferred order by using discount code USA. The trial that exposed Hillary Clinton's witch hunt on President Trump continues. The trial continues for Hillary Clinton's campaign lawyer, Michael Sussman, who was charged with a felony for making false statements to the FBI. This was during the inquiry by special counsel John Durham into the origins of the FBI's Trump-Russia probe. California Republican Congressman Daryl Issa on this case. This jury, it's very possible to get a hung jury or even an acquittal. Uh, that doesn't mean that the case hasn't been made, that the American people haven't seen uh, sworn testimony that uh, Hillary Clinton knew what they were doing when they falsely uh, accused the president, when they, they paid uh, to mislead uh, in some way the FBI. Uh, and it does mean that when we take control in, in January, as we anticipate we will, uh, that we've got to help clean house in, uh, in the Department of Justice and the FBI. 
That audio courtesy of Fox News. That is Tim Berg reporting, and we are USA Radio News. I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you got to watch your politicians like a hawk. You got to watch not only what they say, but you got to watch what they do. That's why delegations, delegates and caucuses and all these things are so important. Uh, Primaries um, and other landmarks along the way before you actually swear in a candidate. There's a lot of processes in place that the founding fathers felt would really help us vet and true up the right people to serve us. Remember, we not, we not only need good, we need honest and wise servants of the republic. All right, there's an incredible article by Eric Peters we want to talk about. Hardening soft targets. LewRockwell.com, Lowell Nelson. Yes, the essence of this article is in the first two paragraphs, ma'am. <clears throat> Quote, now the cry erupts for more armed guards and government schools so that there will be more guns in government schools, so as to shoot back in the event a shooter attempts to shoot up another government school. But there is a much better, much more foundational way to deal with the problem of government schools being the soft targets of choice of soft-headed people. Get your kids out of government schools. End of quote. This caught my eye, Sam, because this is what you've been saying for years and what I've been saying for years. You know, shootings occur primarily in gun-free, killer-safe zones, safe zones, gun-free zones, which are really same same thing as saying killer-safe zones. Killers feel safe in a gun-free zone because they know nobody's going to be shooting back at them. Well, according to the Crime Prevention Research Center, 94% of mass shootings, let me say that figure again, 94% of mass shootings, that's 19 out of 20, folks, since 1950, meaning in the last 70 years, have occurred in gun-free zones. That ought to tell you something. If 19 out of 20 mass shootings occur in gun-free zones, that kind of should tell you that maybe I don't want to go visit gun-free zones. I don't want my children in gun-free, killer-safe zones. That's what it tells me anyway. But it is not solely because of the likelihood of more shootings but because it is in government schools where soft-headed people are created. This is Eric Peters continues. He writes that government schools are emotional wastelands. Instead of family and friends, people your kid knows and whom the kid knows cares about them, random strangers constantly changing from classmates to teachers, some of, some of whom may care, but not in a way a kid's actual parents do or ought to. Your kid is one of the herd, herded along from class to class, among kids he may not really know, and whom you, the parent, are even less likely to know much about, if anything. End of quote. <laughs> you know, that's, that's really true, Sam. You often don't know who the teachers are. You don't really know what they're being taught, although I will admit that Zoom classes, Zooming into the home during COVID, had, it did expose many parents to the tripe that, that's being taught. Yeah, and now the parents are rioting because they know how bad it is, just like we've been telling them all along, Lowell. (laughs) That's right. So Eric Peters recommends that we bring our children home and school them at home. Homeschool. Um, And isn't that a moral imperative of every parent anyway? I remember when Vicki and I were first married that we felt a 
pretty heavy sense of duty, a responsibility that was ours to educate our children. And we were responsible for, for them getting a, a, a righteous education. We felt that. We still feel that, even as grandparents. And so, you know, my question, Sam, you know, since when did the government take responsibility for educating our children? As far as I know, that responsibility was given to parents. And, and again, when did the education of your neighbor's children become your financial responsibility? I mean, that's just how it seems that it is today. You know, people grow up, you know, parents become parents, and, and they send their kids off to school. <clears throat> it's just, it's weird. Um, and so Eric Peters continues here. Schooling kids at home also assures their safety. Another moral imperative for any parent with moral sense at home, you won't have to worry about your daughter having to deal with boys who identify as girls in the bathroom, locker rooms. Your son will not be hectored and shamed about his being a boy. Uh, no one's going to bully your kid, including government school administrators who force kids to wear face diapers and practice other variants of ritual humiliation. Your kids will not have to walk through a metal detector and pass an armed guard and so be habituated to prison life from the earliest recollection. End of quote. I mean, it's a hard-hitting article, Sam. Eric Peters just knocked it out of the ballpark, in my opinion. In other words, in a homeschool, he's saying this, the parents can provide better protection for their children, both physically and emotionally. You know, they would thus sidestep this critical race theory, this social-emotional learning that is woven into the fabric of our public school curricula nowadays. Instead, they're going to learn the basics. At home, reading, writing, arithmetic, history, they learn to think. And that's probably the most important skill one can acquire during the educational process, thinking. Eric writes this, teaching kids to think was once the essence of a child's early education. It was called the trivium, which is Latin for the three basic disciplines of grammar, which is basic competence with the written language, logic, and rhetoric. Simply put, it's how to think, how to grasp the essence or the principle of a thing and then articulate it and apply it. To understand inferences and implications, what a thing means in both the abstract general as well as in specific terms. End of quote. Yeah, so in his article, by the way, Sam, Eric has a diagram of the trivium as three overlapping circles. Very interesting diagram. You got grammar. And you have grammar, logic, and rhetoric, right? So grammar is the top circle, and it encompasses knowledge or facts, data, terms, basic skills. you got logic on the left-hand uh, side, which encompasses understanding, meaning how the facts fit together, the what and the why of something. And then you've got the rhetoric on the lower right, uh, the circle on the lower right. Rhetoric encompasses wisdom or the proper use of the knowledge and understanding, you know. I've just never seen this diagram before. I've never even heard of a thing called trivium, if, I, if that's how you say it. It's a Latin word, T-R-I-V-I-U-M, trivium. Um, very interesting. And the area where the circles intersect, the area right in the middle where those three circles intersect is labeled true learning or mastery. <clears throat> so I just thought that was interesting. I, I, I'm, I may, maybe pursue that a little bit more to fully, more fully understand that, but... Eric kind of finished his article, his column here, saying this. In government schools, kids are taught to memorize and regurgitate, regurgitate reams of arbitrary, disconnected information. The ones who do it best 
are rewarded the most. Boy, I, so I, boy, do I know that's true. I was one of those good scholarly kids. I was rewarded a great deal for my ability to regurgitate information. Um, continuing on with Eric's uh, last statement, he says, the ones who question it are treated the worst. The goal being, of course, to create as many quiet herd animals as possible. Naturally, kids chafe at being herded by this regime because it is unnatural. The human animal is not a herd animal by nature, though the government very much needs him to be. End of quote. <clears throat> so, you know, see, you know, parents often send their school children to school because doing so relieves them of the burden of teaching them themselves. I realize that. I understand that. I don't think it's right. I think in maybe some cases they have to do that, you know, to, in order to provide for their family because they have to go to work, maybe. But <clears throat> I don't think it's natural. And, 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 you know, I really like to hear the stories of children who have been homeschooled and have thoroughly enjoyed it. I like to hear parents talk about the joys of homeschooling their children, of being, spending so much of the quality time with them of listening to their hopes, their dreams, their fears, apprehensions, their goals, and their progress toward their goals. I love those stories. And so not only do such parents provide a better education for their children, but they do so in a place, Sam, that is safe from active shooters such as Salvador Ramos from Uvalde, Texas. Sam? Ladies and gentlemen, this matters. Where you let your children learn matters. Uh, and if you study the Bible, you'll find out that, you know, the Bible teaches it's a sin uh, to have godless people teach your children. And, uh, you know, as Lowell was talking about this serious issue about, hey, you know, you got these shifting students and shifting teachers and shifting where you don't know anybody. It's all strangers. You might get to know somebody, but it's a rarity. You might know a lot of people on the surface. But it's a rarity to get, really get to know somebody, and it's a rarity to have a connection with somebody to influence their life. Oftentimes, the collective and the, and the uh, continued musical chairs uh, creates a loneliness, creates a mistrust, creates a nobody cares about me mentality. Uh, and for a rare teacher to be able to reach out and touch a student uh, in a meaningful way, it happens. But it is the exception uh, and it happened because of wonderful teachers doing their very best in spite of the system, not because of. All right, you need to get your kids out of government schools, ladies and gentlemen. You need to understand, look, there are solutions. And it is to teach your children yourself or find like-minded private sector people to do the same. This is our clarion call and our hope. we got to ask why I took a gun to school, too. We'll talk about that more in detail incredible article as well you are listening to liberty roundtable live the spirit of the american west is alive and well in range magazine the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues of the american west each issue contains informative articles breathtaking imagery as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today and gift ideas like this year's buckaroo calendar order online from rangemagazine.com loving liberty network salutes the spirit of the american west at rangemagazine.com i think that my family has always had a big influence on me for not smoking because since i was little i was taught that smoking was wrong recent studies indicate that smoking among teens often leads to the use of alcohol and other drugs 
I think having faith in God is a big part in it because the way I was raised has helped to avoid smoking. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. There has been no evidence of widespread voter fraud. The 2020 elections were one of the most corrupt in history. See the proof for yourself. We tracked 2,000 mules making multiple ballot drops. 2,000 mules, the shocking new movie from Dinesh D'Souza. One mule made 53 trips to 20 drop boxes. 2,000 mules. Join the special virtual premiere and Q&A on May 7th. Get your tickets now. Available only at 2000mules.com. 2000mules.com. Sponsored by Salem Media Group. Small Business Tech Guys is a team of experts ready to assist you with any service relating to growing your business. Our team specializes in information and technology, social media, general consulting, and HR. We thrive on assisting startup entrepreneurs with growing their businesses. If it's small business, it's our cup of tea. To schedule your free discovery call today, consider sbtechguys.com. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. sbtechguys.com. Lowell Nelson with me, ladies and gentlemen, campaignforliberty.org. Get your kids out of the government school. Listen, they're teaching your children to regurgitate information. They're teaching your children to literally jettison true relationships for moving musical chairs relationships. And then they're basically perpetuating these false doctrines to your children, critical race theory and um, all these other things. But if you homeschool your kids or put them in private school where you have like-minded Americans who believe in God teaching your children, then you have reading, writing, and arithmetic. You'll learn true elements of history. You will learn to critically think. That's probably one of the most important skill you'll ever learn, the ability to critically think through situations, circumstances, and apply moral principles to those realities. That is key. So there's an article why I took a gun to school that highlights, uh, in my opinion, some of even the greater problems. Lowell? Well, and this article um, is one of, of uh, several hundred at this website. The website is drugawareness.org. Um, but this uh, article, it's a testimonial about a young man, and his name is Corey. Um, I forget the last name at the moment, uh, who took a gun to school. Um, and uh, he didn't know he was doing it uh, because he was on a drug, a pharmaceutical drug, an antidepressant um, uh, was what he His was on. His name is Corey Bastiard, by the way. That, that's right, Badsguard. That's right, thank you. Um, uh. he, took a, he, he took a gun to school um, and held 24 of his classmates hostage for about 20 minutes. He didn't know what he was doing. In fact, one of his, one of his best friends asked him, what are you doing? He looked down at his gun, and he, it, it was like he was surprised to see his gun in his hand. Well, it turns out, Sam, he had been taking Paxil for eight months. Now, Paxil is an antidepressant. Now, I want to talk about these in just a second, but he had been taking Paxil for eight months and then was being switched over to a drug called Effexor. And that morning, he said he didn't feel well, so he decided to go back to bed until later in the morning. And the next thing he knew, he was in juvenile detention. Fortunately, he hadn't killed anyone. But this website talks about all of the SSRIs. 
which stands for Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitor. Um, it mentions Prozac and Zoloft, Defexor, Luvox. Uh, there's an alphabetical list on this website, drugawareness.org, of over 300 antidepressants. Well, an antidepressant, Sam, is a serotonin-enhancing medication. It's a mind-altering drug. Now, the, the positive reports about them seem to come from their stimulant, amphetamine-like nature. Well, SSRIs inhibit the reuptake, which means metabolism, of serotonin, thus leaving excess serotonin, which allows the stimulation to continue. It has long been known that inhibiting the reuptake of serotonin will produce depression, suicide, violence, psychosis, mania, cravings for alcohol and other drugs, reckless driving, and so forth. Now, the most popular SSRI drugs are Prozac, Seraphim, Zoloft, Paxil, Luvox, Celexa, Lexapro, and Brisbane. There's also a family of drugs, Sam, that, that inhibit the reuptake or the metabolism of norepinephrine, which are known as SNRIs. The most common SNRIs are Efexor, Remeron, Therazone, Cymbalta, and Pristique. The uh, Mayo Clinic says that serotonin and norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors are a class of medications that are effective in treating depression. That's what Mayo Clinic says, okay? SNRIs are also sometimes used to treat other conditions such as anxiety disorders and long-term chronic pain, especially nerve pain. Uh, they say that SNRIs may be helpful if you have chronic pain in addition to depression. They say that SNRIs ease depression by affecting chemical messengers or neurotransmitters used to communicate between brain cells. And like most antidepressants, SNRIs work by ultimately affecting changes in brain chemistry and communication in brain nerve cell circuitry known to regulate mood and to help relieve depression. Serotonin, uh, so SNRIs block the reabsorption or the reuptake of neurotransmitter serotonin and norepinephrine in the brain. Okay, so that's kind of like a, 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 a the establishment view of SSRIs and SNRIs, these these, these pharmaceutical drugs which are supposed uh, supposedly uh, created to relieve depression. Well, the FDA approved these things, so what could go wrong, eh? <laughs> the earliest of these drugs appeared on the market in the 1950s, Sam. Now, that's an important date. Seventy years ago is when these antidepressants first began to appear on the market. turns out Prozac first appeared in 1988 and became the most popular antidepressant of, of choice being recommended by doctors. Well, it turns out that the, the number of school shootings, the number of suicides, the number of homicides, and so forth, have just steadily increased since the 1950s. I mean, we had, we had access to guns all during my childhood, as did most people during their childhood. And yet, why do we have more gun violence today than we did, you know, decades ago? Well, what has changed? You have to ask, you have to look at that and think, what has changed between you know, before 1950 and after 1950. Well, there's a lot of factors, admittedly, a lot of factors. But I believe one of the key factors is the introduction of these pharmaceutical drugs and their side effects. 
are suicide, violent crime, arson, alcohol abuse, depression, reckless driving, hostility, exhibitionism, and so forth. These are listed at this website, drugawareness.org. Now, one of the most important side effects, in my opinion, is the loss of conscience or the ability to feel God anymore. Because without a moral compass, you know, members of society are left without moral direction and thereby they commit immoral acts. This is killing children in an elementary school. It's this loss of conscience. It's the light of Christ in a person that is dampened and darkened and lost. That's what these drugs do. Now, Anne Blake Tracy served as executive directory, director of the International Coalition for Drug Awareness. She authored a book titled Prozac, Panacea, or Pandora. And for the past 30 years, this coalition has been collecting stories of people who have suffered from the use and abuse of these pharmaceutical drugs. They also maintain not only the website drugawareness.org, but a website called ssristories.net. And on that website is a collection of about 5,000 news stories in which antidepressants are mentioned, or in some cases where law enforcement verifies the presence of an antidepressant in a perpetrator. And that website, with over 5,000 news stories, was last updated in about 2011. So they have about 12 years of data, and at 5,000 news stories in just 12 years, there are 68 cases of bizarre behavior, 48 school shootings, 52 road rage tragedies, 12 air rage incidents, 44 postpartum depression cases, and over 600 murders, homicides. Over 180 murder-suicides and other acts of violence, including workplace violence. All of that is, is, is uh, harbored at that website, ssristories.net. Now, my guest, Sam, just to wrap this up, is that Salvador Ramos of Uvalde, Texas, was on an antidepressant. I would put money on that, Sam. I bet that he was on some antidepressant. We may never know. But hopefully the medical examiner there in Texas will have tested for such drugs in Ramos's blood because you can test for that even after a person dies. Just think of all the children, Sam, who get diagnosed with ADHD and end up with a prescription for an SNRI like Effexor or the dopamine reuptake inhibitor antidepressant Wellbutrin. Wellbutrin, I guess you say that, also marketed as Zyban. And ladies and gentlemen, so, if you go to drugawareness.org, you'll understand there's another reason for these mass public shootings in recent years. Pharmaceutical drugs are the cause. Antidepressants, ladies and gentlemen, Prozac, Zoloft, Effexor, Lovox, and others. And there's at drugawareness.org, ladies and gentlemen, there's an alphabetical list of over 300 antidepressants. And they're mind-altering drugs. Let's be very, very clear. You can also check out Corey's story on that website as well, Lowell. Absolutely, Sam. And just one word of warning, caution. It's critically important that a person not make any abrupt change in dosage of an antidepressant. I'll repeat that again. Do not make any abrupt change in dosage of an antidepressant. If you're hearing this, for the very first time, and you're on 
and antidepressants do not stop cold turkey. Do not make an abrupt change in dosage, either up or down. If you want to come off of a drug, you've got to do it slowly. And you have to make sure that you're providing nutritional supplements so that you can help your body wean yourself away from it. Ann said the other day that if you've been on the drug for a year, for example, then maybe you ought to take half a year, six months, to wean yourself away from it. So like if you're doing 100 milligrams of, of uh, Zoloft or something right now and you've been on it for a year, then you better take just decreasing doses of Zoloft over the next six months, but do not make abrupt changes or you will find yourself in a state very similar to what Corey Bad, Badgard found himself in when he woke up with a gun in his hand. Right? And, it just, I mean, it, and that chronicles how powerful and manipulative and mind-controlling these drugs really are, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, look, we cannot ignore this facet of the discussion. They're wanting to take our guns from the good guys. That's the most critical mistake we can make, and we're not willing to truly discuss these realities openly. New media taking center stage, Liberty Roundtable Live, and others are willing to. Uh, obviously, and Blake Tracy is willing to. Um, she's with the International Coalition for Drug Awareness. And, of course, her book, Prozac, Panacea, or Pandora, uh, is really critical to understand. But, folks, there's ways to solve these things. There's ways to talk about them, but they're not having the real discussions. They're not talking about God, family, country. They're not talking about what medications uh, and what mental health experts uh, encourage or lead them to do. Uh, and, and so this is a, a, a real element that must be brought up and focused on if we're going to have an honest, transparent, accountable discussion with regards to what's happening in our society. Final words yours, Lowell. Uh, just remember the website, drugawareness.org. And if you or a member of your family or a close friend are on any of these antidepressants, visit that website and be very careful about coming off such a drug. Do it very carefully and very slowly. Read the stories there. You'll come up to speed. You'll be able to do it. And God bless you in your efforts to do that. Thank you, Sam. Happy Memorial Day. Don't forget to remember the reason, sir. Okay, man. There you go. We'll do uh, Lowell Nelson, campaignforliberty.org, doing a phenomenal job as always. LibertyRoundtable.com, lovingliberty.net. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America. the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the network refused to use. No doubt continues now. This is the broadcast from May 30th. 
in the year of our Lord 2022. This is our two of two, and the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed. We use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law, the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. We're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. What are the great peaceful solutions we still have at our fingertips? And as you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, we wish you a happy Memorial Day. We are live on Memorial Day, but we also hope you take a moment to reflect on why Memorial Day exists. What is it? It isn't beer and brats, folks. It's a sacred reflection on those who have sacrificed much for us to enjoy what we have today. Not only, in my opinion, is it a reflection backwards on their sacrifice, on their service, on their love, dedication, etc., cetera, uh, but it's a chance for us in the present to make sure that we're doing the things necessary to preserve their legacy for the future. Ladies and gentlemen, understand that repentance is the sovereign remedy to the problems we face today. Yeah, there's other things that we can do too. You know what, we can hold Congress accountable. We can, there's a lot of things, right? But I'm telling you, nothing will take the place of the repentance necessary for God to deliver on his promise. If we do that, he will heal our land and protect us. It is biblical and it is relevant on Memorial Day like you wouldn't believe. Welcome to the broadcast. I'm Sam Bushman and with me is Dr. Scott Bradley, his collegiate series and lifelong goals to match to preserve the nation. You can learn more about that series and his weekly webinars and more at freedomsrisingsun.com. Dr. Bradley, a happy Memorial Day to you and your family. Some people say don't wish a happy Memorial Day. That's bad. It's a sad day. I think it's a happy day because of their sacrifice and the blessings uh, that we receive in direct relation to their sacrifice, their love, their commitments. And it's a happy day for me, but it is a reflective day as well, my friend. Welcome. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, it's interesting to me. I, um, I find, Well, I guess I find it interesting that uh, we believe about 1.8 million Americans have uh, done that last full measure of sacrifice in, since uh, April of 1775. It's interesting you say about. Um, some years ago, I did quite an expansive review uh, trying to come to some conclusion as to why there was such a great disparity in a lot of the, uh, you know, summary casualty notations that have been passed down through history. And I found that there's a, there, boy, I mean, trying to come to some good conclusion is really difficult. And, I mean, you look at the, um, you know, you talk about the fog of war and, and uh, so many of the things that are, you know, really, really uh, hard to document when there's so much noise and smoke and, and uh, confusion and everything like that. But but uh, the best number I think we can come out to is about 1.8 million. Uh, I mean, as an example, I guess, the Audrang Valley War, or it was a battle, November of 1965. If you look at the disparate numbers between what the NVA and the USA said were killed and wounded in, in that battle, um, th they're worlds apart. And, and what became the... I don't know, the tally sheet, if you will, of Vietnam was a body count. Um, uh, by the way, the Audrang uh, incident there in, in November of 1965, 
that was a kind of a watershed hinge point, and I don't need to get distracted on that, but it is interesting to me that the, the both sides claimed victory, ultimately, and the Vietnamese, North Vietnamese, Ho Chi Minh, uh, became convinced that, uh, that they would ultimately win the war, uh, that the United States would not have the political will to take the kind of casualties that would be needful, and that uh, the North Vietnamese were willing to take those kind of casualties. So the, the North Vietnamese came to the conclusion they would win the war. This was 1965. You know, Saigon fell 10 years later, but Ho Chi Minh was right. They, they had the political will to do it. The United States did not. And the United States should have never been in the Audrain Valley. But um, the United States also, that as a hinge point, came to believe the war was really theirs. And uh, I mean, they had skin in the game, they had blood in the game, whatever. And and what a tragic turn of events went through all of this stuff. Uh, that that anyway, war is really a, a challenging, challenging time. And you always, you know, bring up in your program. It doesn't matter if it's Memorial Day or what. But this tie to God, and and I, I think the Prince of Peace weeps over uh, most of the things that happen. Uh, particularly the onerous uh, burdens that war bring. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, they say you, we raise up a, uh, a man and train him in the art of war, and we call him a patriot. But it's interesting to me that one of the guys that, that was involved in a lot of them <laughs> um, throughout the 20th century, a guy by the name of Douglas MacArthur, he had, uh, you know, heavy involvement from World War One on, and his farewell address that he gave in West Point in 1962, I think, had some messages for people that have never really had any sacrifices in war. And, and l let me just read a couple, if I could, Sam, just a couple of paragraphs, and then we might maybe ought to take this down another path. But here's what he said. By the way, his remarks seemed to be largely extemporaneous. I mean, he he had woven together some thought-provoking thoughts, I guess, he said, duty, honor, country, those three hallowed words reverently dictate, he's speaking to the long gray, uh, the gray line out of West Point, those that would fight the wars. So he's at West Point. This is 1962. Many of those young men would sacrifice themselves in Vietnam. Anyway, he said, duty, honor, country, those three hallowed words reverently dictate what you ought to be, what you can be, what you will be. They are your rallying points to build courage when courage seems to fail, to regain faith when there seems to be little cause for faith, to create hope when hope becomes forlorn. When you are the leaven which binds together the entire fabric of our national system of defense, from your ranks come the great captains who hold the nation's destiny in their hands the moment the war toxin sounds. The long gray line has never failed us. Were you to do so, a million ghosts in olive drab in brown khaki and blue and gray would rise from their white crosses, thundering those magic words, duty, honor, country. This does not mean that you're warmongers. On the contrary, the soldier, above all other people, prays for peace, for he must suffer and bear the deepest wounds and scars of the war. You know, there's, there's some great reflections there that I think are appropriate on Memorial Day. But I do think that this concept that's kind of risen in America that 
you can't be a patriot unless you're really ready to sacrifice some Marines somewhere in the world for the latest scrape they got going. I I think that there's a there's a great gap between what we're doing in America today and what ought to be our national policy. So Amen anyway. to that. There's also a great gap, Dr. Bradley, between those who truly strive towards solutions in America. Indeed. Those of us who uh, use the media, use the power of the pen or the power of the word, if you will. Uh, is the pen more powerful than the sword? Is the word more powerful than the sword? See, I believe these efforts are peaceful in nature. And I want to contrast that. There's a lot of people in America who are just ready to say, hey, the fat lady's already sung. Let's just go to war. And those people that, that double down in sovereignty, uh, I, I believe we are sovereign citizens to a great degree, but not in the way it's been perverted. A lot of people believe they can individually jettison the United States or individually withdraw their consent or individually take action. They want to jump from A to Z. Uh, when it comes to war, they believe all we got to do is pick up the Patriot rifle and, by golly, stop the thugs. And uh, Okay, it, it's a mistake. Uh, the Founding Fathers were very patient, very cautious, very deliberate. They wrote the Declaration of Independence to a candid world uh, and to their God to justify their actions because they were fearful at first that they would take the wrong action. And so they really spent the time. They really dug in and made an effort to say, hey, are we on solid ground? Let's document our efforts. Let's document the abuses. Let's let's highlight where we are and what we've done. We've exhausted all opportunities for uh, other solutions. Okay, we have not done that in modern times, not even close. What we tend to do is just want to yeet the Constitution, just jettison that, and then we want to go ahead and pick up the uh, Patriot rifle and go to war, as if that's really the answer. Folks, we could not be more misguided in this. And I call this out on Memorial Day because I really want you to think about all they sacrificed for. We cannot jump to war and throw it all away on this supposed war is the answer. We're not going to have solutions. We're not going to build a better country on war. I get that if we have to defend our nation, that's a different discussion. That's why the Congress laid out their responsibilities, or I should say the, the Constitution laid out the congressional responsibilities related to war. But look, we, we need be very, very cautious and careful that we're not leading with a war mentality, that we're leading by following the Prince of Peace. And if there's one topic for Memorial Day that I think really should resonate with each of us, that is it. The legacy of our founders, yes, they had to go to war. Uh, but you know what? They put together a system that allows us to follow the Prince of Peace like no other culture or nation has had the opportunity to do uh, in the history of the world to the degree that we have. So let's talk about the Prince of Peace. Let's talk about who we follow. Let's learn more of him and see if we can't then carry the legacy forward in peaceful ways. Solutions being front and center on Liberty Roundtable Live with Dr. Scott Bradley. Have you ever heard of Loving Liberty Ladies? Well, the Loving Liberty Ladies are here to help you learn our American heritage and the way it affects today's society. The Loving Liberty Ladies also have a discussion guide called Proclaim Liberty. And with this guide, you can start your own group in your hometown. Get yours today on our website at lovingliberty.net. Look for our lesson supplements, too. They're free. To hear all the special offers and to join the fight for freedom and liberty, please go to lovingliberty.net. The spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine. 
the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues of the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like this year's Buckaroo calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Dad, can you make him stop? Honey, he needs to practice. He's been at it an hour. Well, just trying to be patient. Dad, it sounds like a cat calling for help or something. Worse, a basement full of cats. Yeah. You know, hon, it is a little hard on the ears. Not you, too. Well, maybe we can all play a game. Andrew, do you want to play a board game? Uh, how about we watch a video? Hide and seek? Oh, I don't know. I give up. Maybe we could all just sneak out of the house. Honey, he's nine years old. We can't leave him home alone. And we can make him practice with a sock. Well, I guess we'll have to get some ice cream. Did I hear someone say ice cream? Family, isn't it about time? Oh, I see the practice hasn't hurt your ears. Well, I'm a serious musician. Funny that you never seem to get better on that thing. Works every time. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Hey, uh, where did all these cats come from? All right, ladies and gentlemen. In the Book of Mormon, another, another testament of Jesus Christ that said this. It's in Alma 30, verse 5. And now, as the preaching of the word had a great tendency to lead the people to do that which was just, yet it had had more powerful effect on the minds of the people than the sword or anything else which had happened unto them. Therefore, it's expedient that we should try the virtue of the word of God, ladies and gentlemen. That's critical to understand uh, as we think about Memorial Day, as we think about this critical juncture that we find ourselves in when it comes to America. Look, America, uh, in every way, seems to be falling off a cliff, absolute ready for a spiral down destruction. And I know it feels that way. And I know it can be easy to get depressed and think that the fat lady's already sung. I submit to you that it isn't true. Yes, we've got some perilous times. There's no doubt about that. But the answers are simple. The answers are clear and easy to understand. Repentance is the sovereign remedy to our problems, ladies and gentlemen. But to do so, you can't just pick up your Patriot rifle and go to war. What you've got to do is try to follow the Prince of Peace, ladies and gentlemen. That's what you've got to do. And so I've been watching this The Chosen TV series. It's 2017. Um, and it's a television drama based on the life of Jesus Christ, based on the life of Jesus of Nazareth, created and directed and, and co-written by American filmmaker Dallas Jenkins. Uh, and it's the first multi-season series about the life of Jesus. Uh, season one, believe it or not, was the top crowdfunded TV series or film project of all time. So the people funded it this is where we the people can make a big difference and i ask you is it better just to you know what pick up your rifle and go storm washington dc create a war in america secede from the union 
create an Article 5 convention where everybody will fight and melt down and there will be no going back from that division created? Right? Is that the way to go? Or is it better to follow the Prince of Peace? Think about it. We've crowdfunded this incredible educational opportunity, this tool, this incredible TV series about the life of Christ. And I think as we learn about him, as we understand his teachings, and as we follow him, I think we can do more to preserve this nation than any other way. Dr. Bradley. You know, it's interesting, this, uh, this concept that the, uh, the Chosen is being funded by. This is not a big um, producer kind of thing. This is not the big, you know, theatrical houses or whomever that, that normally funds these things. These are not anything but we the people. It, it truly is a grassroots movement where the little people have spoken, if you will, and they've, they've opened their checkbooks or their pocketbooks, whatever you want to call it. They've, um, they, they pay it forward. In fact, Dallas Jenkins, the uh, producer and director of this uh, series, <coughs> is always quick to point out that uh, many people have done what they call pay it forward, where if you like what see, you've seen there, you know, any donation you go will help someone else see it for free. Nobody has to pay anything to see it. But if you see it and you like it and you want to, f- you know, foster the whole concept, uh, you know, a donation is ex- appreciated. They're not a charity. They do things with uh, the idea, you know, they pay their actors and all that kind of stuff. But the fact of the matter is that the voice of the people has been heard. And it is a rather hopeful voice, I think, that um, that so many people have uh, stepped forward and said, you know what, I... <laughs> This is the kind of thing I want to encourage. I mean, when you have all of the bizarre, off-the-wall kinds of entertainment that are out there, you know, this is a, a, a quality message with quality people. It's, it's not blatantly in-your-face kind of thing. Uh, in, the, in the show, Jesus is, is a real-life person. I mean, he's, uh, he's someone that interacts with the people. He, he's disappointed. He's hurt. He's happy. Uh, the, at the wedding, um, you know, you guys remember the, the uh, where water was turned to wine. He danced at the wedding. I mean, you know, the traditional Jewish wedding dances. And and uh, it's like, holy cow, uh, good grief. I mean, Jesus danced. I mean, to some people, they were offended by that. I mean, I spoke to somebody last night that actually uh, felt that it wasn't appropriate. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. You want a cardboard cutout that's kind of walked across the stage uh, when, when uh, you know, we depict his life? Uh, he walked the dusty paths of, of uh, Judea. Uh, he suffered the, the scorn of the, the mobs. And, and uh, when, when the uh, Jewish hierarchy took him and beat him and presented him and falsely accused him and falsely convicted him and sent him to the Romans to be scourged and ultimately crucified. Those were real, real uh, challenges and pain. I, and I personally believe that, uh, you know, all of us in, in a pre-mortal kind of situation were able to observe those things. I think our love for Jesus Christ uh, reached, uh, you know, immortal realms, if you will. And we observed these things happening. And so... You know, I, I think that anything that turns the hearts of the people and helps them to see uh, what was offered and who uh, paid the price and all that kind of stuff, sure, it's done imperfectly. Sure, there's mortal individuals that are 
walking across the stage, if you will. What in mortality can, can really po uh, possibly, completely, perfectly reflect uh, the reality of everything? But, um, but I think that there's been a real effort to try to, to show uh, the kind of character and consideration and kindness and wisdom and I mean, there's all sorts of things, and people say, "Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah." I didn't like the the end of the second uh, season. I didn't like the fact that when he went to talk to the uh, uh, feeding of the five thousand, the Beatitudes kind of thing, that they put a stage up for him to speak from, and it was like you know Mick Jagger there or whatever. I mean, you know, ladies and gentlemen, remember this: uh, the effort from these filmmakers uh, in the Chosen was to try to make Jesus real. Come to life. Yeah, come, come to, to life. life. Okay, because yeah. he was real and he did live. And so the effort is to say, look, folks, this is not a joke. This is real. And the goal is to help you understand the setting, the culture, the circumstances, the real situation uh, that he lived in. And you know what? Might there be some poetic license there, pardon the pun or whatever you want to say, artistic license, whatever word you want to use. Uh, no doubt there's some of that they have to to tell a story. It's not possible to even tell the story without that. Even the scriptures have some poetic license to some degree or, or a narrator license, whatever word you want to use. You know, even John and Luke and uh, Matthew, Mark, and they have their own narratives. And the narratives slightly differ, by the way. So even in life, uh, you know, you're going to tell a story from some reference point. It's impossible not to as humans in the mortal realm. However, I believe every attempt was made to be accurate, to be... Uh, humble, to uh, treat sacred things sacred, to uh, truly honor uh, the message and not, not sidetrack. Uh, I believe there's a real sincere effort. And I believe just like our nation was founded on godly principles, and I believe the founding fathers were inspired men, and I believe God had a hand in the rise of this nation as our founders taught us. But I believe in this movie, too, God had a hand in those who put this movie together. Again, is it perfect? No, it isn't. Uh, I know people can criticize and say, oh, you know what? You know, we shouldn't even have pictures of, of Jesus or, you know, uh, there's no way that a, that a human should, uh, you know, act as if they're God or whatever you want to say, a God in the flesh, etc. I believe the attempt is genuine to help people understand. And I've learned much from the chosen, learned much about how it must have been the rough and tumble of the world they were in at the time how wicked uh, people were uh, how refreshing the savior's uh, appearance on the earth was you know to those who s seek were truth seekers uh, it was a it was a refreshment of pure water and of pure hope and life uh, and it really in this movie highlights that, you know what, everybody believed that Jesus Christ was going to come on a horse with a sword and be this chief military commander, baby, and just wreck anybody who opposed God Almighty. And Jesus stepped back from that and taught a different way, taught a different solution, an unexpected at the time solution and a solution that wasn't even fathomable at the time as a possibility. So he brought these possibilities to the earth and taught us a better way, a more holistic way, a way that provides solutions. When we get back, we'll have Dr. Bradley uh, jump in on this one. But I, I submit to you 
that the effort is to teach us about the Prince of Peace. Boy, as we remember sacrifice, celebrating the ultimate sacrifice, life of the Savior and his resurrection, and the solutions he offers, seems like for Memorial Day, that makes sense to me. How about you? You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. It is Memorial Day, a federal holiday in the United States for mourning the United States military personnel who have died while serving in the United States Armed Forces. The observance has been recognized since 1868. Authorities in Lincoln, Nebraska, are reporting a mass casualty incident overnight where at least two people are dead and many others are believed to be injured after multiple vehicles crashed and rolled into a crowd of people. The incident occurred at the AmeriCruise event. Twitter user Elijah Herbal. Oh, my God! Some people were reported to be underneath the crashed vehicles. The National Weather Service has now confirmed that tornadoes touched down in at least two locations in south-central Pennsylvania at the start of the weekend. Investigators have confirmed the presence of damage from funnel clouds in Lancaster and Franklin counties. USA Radio News. Stress. It never seems to end when you owe money to the IRS. What about the years of unfiled tax returns? Have you tried another tax service and gotten nowhere? Then you need Tax Alliance. Why? Years of being A-plus rated with a Better Business Bureau with no consumer complaints sets them apart. Call 800-624-9275. That's 800-624-9275. Don't wait until the IRS attacks your wages, bank account, your home or pension, and even your Social Security check. Tax Alliance specializes in IRS tax relief programs, including the Fresh Start Initiative, which can finally free yourself from IRS. IRS debt. Their tax professionals can file returns, fight the IRS to substantially lower your IRS debt, or possibly even have it forgiven. If you owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes, have unfiled tax returns, or have a payment plan and are still frustrated, call 800-624-9275. That's 800-624-9275. Tax Alliance, your tax resolution solution. The policy by the Biden administration to discontinue America's energy independence has resulted in serious consequences. Outsourcing of consumer goods and jobs is a huge concern for Americans as inflation and gas prices continue to surge. Florida Republican Congressman Byron Donalds joins Fox's Sunday Morning Futures to weigh in. Millions of Americans suffer every single day trying to figure out how they're putting gas in their car and also how they're going to put food on the table. This is the reality of what happens if you follow his economic plans. They are disastrous for our country. They empower China primarily. And also, if you look at food and that food prices are up, one of the reasons food prices are up is because fertilizer is a derivative of oil production. This comes as President Biden launches an economic partnership with India. Pacific countries. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. USA Radio News. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. We are live for Memorial Day and would like to wish you a happy Memorial Day, but we also pray you reflect on the reason that the day exists, ladies and gentlemen. I want you to understand that repentance is the sovereign remedy to our problems. 
And we're talking about this idea, is the pen more powerful than the sword? Is the word of God more powerful than war? I think the answer is a clear, resounding yes, indeed. It can have a great effect on the hearts and minds of we the people. We need to follow the Prince of Peace. He created the ultimate sacrifice for us. It's the central act in God's plan for his children. And the resurrection is real. The life of Christ is real. And this chosen, the chosen TV series created in 2017, a couple of uh, seasons, the drama based on the life of Jesus of Nazareth uh, is real. And I believe the attempt uh, to get everything accurate was painstaking. I think they did an incredible job. Do they have it perfect? I doubt it. We're humans and we don't know everything. But they did their very best to get out of the way and let the scriptures tell the story. Uh, and they uh, uh, tampered very little. They just put in enough to really tell the story, sticking with uh, what we know the best they possibly could. I believe it is a tremendous offering that could really make a difference in your life if you haven't seen it. If you have seen it, it's worth rewatching. But really teaching us to follow the Prince of Peace uh, is what this is all about. And in the movie, it starts out where he's teaching children. And they say, hey, aren't you going to come as a big military? Isn't Jesus going to come as a big military leader and go ahead and just wreck everybody? And the answer was no. There's a better way, Dr. Bradley. Well, you've thrown a lot of strings out there to pull on, Sam. Um, you know how I you am, talk buddy. about uh, how many people have seen this. I mean, uh, I don't know what it is exactly today. I haven't looked at it. But uh, they're approaching, I think, worldwide a half a billion people, half a billion observe this what a what a movement i mean how many religions today have reached a half a billion people you say well read the bible you'll get the story yeah you will you will but for some people today particularly sadly uh, we're not we don't read for content oftentimes in america today that hasn't been taught in schools sometimes people are visually oriented and and uh, the effort to tell the story i think is linked together with what you might call um Oh, I don't know. They've taken a little license with it, perhaps. But, you know, the linkages are there, and the, the important messages, I think, are they're attempting to, to set forth. I, I've looked at, uh, they have consultants from various Christian organizations and a Jewish organization. You know, they talk about the traditional dress and, you know, the uh, things like Shabbat. Uh, Shabbat, I mean, you know, we could take a whole series of talks about that. And what that was, was gathering together with family on the Sabbath and being able to recognize the hand of God. We so rarely do that. We get together in churches and we sit and we listen and we go home and we go watch football or whatever. But Shabbat was a uh, tradition that was, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years old. And I wish we did more Shabbat nowadays. And uh, you talk about um, independent authorship. I mean... You know, you say, oh, yeah, the Gospels have some variants from them. Sure they do. I think that testifies of independence authorship. It doesn't, it doesn't debunk them. It just shows that these guys had a different frame of reference. So many different things have happened. The idea of a, a military uh, overthrow of, the, of Rome that everybody expected from Messiah. Um, you know, really sometimes, well, it's like kind of when the apostles that left Jesus uh, and, and started paddling back across the Sea of Galilee, and a big storm came up, and they were, uh, you know, bereft of hope, and they had labored all night long, and, oh, my goodness, we're all going to die. And, and then 
walking on the water comes this apparition, and they think, oh, now now what? Oftentimes, our solution comes in the least expected form. You know, instead of a greater problem landing on them, uh, there was the Savior. I mean, and he was saying, you know, what's wrong with you guys? Where's your faith? I mean, you know, and he, peace, be still. The elements of the universe obeyed the voice of the Creator. And um, and he he really was in charge, and and so, I mean, Palestine, the land of Palestine, had been under the domination of so many different forces, whether it's the Assyrians or the Babylonians or the Egyptians or the Romans at the time of of Christ. I mean, the people had come to really, really, they they wore a saddle, they had a yoke on them. And uh, and they were expecting this magnificent, you know, uh, a military leader, and he came in a lot different form, but but he brought a timeless message that I think we need to spend more time thinking about today, and uh, and so yeah, if if people can be brought to Christ by by watching this video series or by reading their scriptures or by pondering or by praying or all of the above, I think we ought to engage in those kinds of things because. Whatever brings us to Christ, that there is the solution. Uh, you know this. You know, as Isaiah said, "Wonderful Counselor," you know, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. For goodness' sake, when the angelic host introduced the shepherds and said, "Do you want to go see the Prince of Peace?" You know, they there was a host of angels that sang, "You know, glory to God and uh, and uh, peace on earth, goodwill toward men." Uh, he he came to earth in the most humble manner, the least expected manner, in fact, born in a, a stable, if you will, in a, uh, a very you know, humble setting, not in some palace with you know, royal robes wrapped him uh, as soon as he got there and uh, you know, s servants to carry him about. No, he, he walked around these dusty paths. He stubbed his toe, I'm sure. He, but in that process, he saw what we saw or see and are seeing. He, he saw the challenges that face us, and he learned from the, the housewife cleaning her home. He learned from the farmer working. He, he, he watched the, uh, the animals and the creations of the universe, and, uh, and he wove those He learned from his. the children and their humble example and leadership. And he was able to teach us based upon things that we would understand. I mean, he was a real being. He is a real being. And, and, you know, I think the series that you're talking about is supposed to be eight seasons. And, uh, you know, I, I suspect that those that have watched the, all the seasons and come to have this immense love and respect, I mean, if they don't blow it, I don't know what could happen. I mean, this is a bunch of mortals putting this together. I mean, in real life, the guy that plays Jesus could have lots of, uh, I don't know, things that, that – redirect things and we hope that doesn't happen but amen but if we by the way it was this, jonathan uh remy or i don't know how you say his name r-o-u-m i-e rami or whatever he was the one that plays jesus or depicts jesus and it's someone that you'd actually like to hang out with they projected him as an easygoing warm person who uh, actually you know cracks jokes dances at parties what they've really done is they've helped us understand a great portrait of Jesus Christ that's highly relatable from the Jesus character. 
not some of the holier-than-thou, untouchable, unapproachable portraits of Jesus in the past. Okay, it really personalizes him in a way that, that's meaningful. For example, I think there's one part in there where, where Jesus, he's, he's a carpenter, and so he's working on something, and I think he cuts himself. Well, it just goes to show that Jesus was not above mistakes. Now, don't get me wrong, he did not sin. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. He was sinless, I agree with that. But he made human mistakes, though. He learned what it was like to be human on the earth. And uh, in the Bible, it talks about he grew um, uh, with God in stature, with God and man or whatever. In other words, it, it talks about his growth and his learning and his progress. Now, that doesn't change the fact that he never sinned. I, I don't want you to misunderstand my point. My point is he lived a real life. He understood what it was like to be one of us. And because of that ascending below us all or descending below us all, he was able to conquer the world. He was able to rise from the tomb. And in that resurrection is liberty's solution, Dr. Bradley. It seems to me that if in the eight seasons that they, I think they anticipate putting together, if those that have followed it from the beginning haven't come to uh, a great caring uh, of this character, Jesus, when the time comes for him to be nailed to the cross, when those cruel spikes are driven in his hands, his wrists, and his feet, and when the when the uh, the uh, he's flayed by the the whip, uh, the pilot, uh, not pilot, but uh, uh, what's his name? Yeah, pilot. Uh, it puts on him. I I think there'll be there'll be those that weep. I think that there will, many will think, how could they do this to this man? This this individual that I've come to love and respect and care about. Of course, the end story, the resurrection, he does live. He ultimately lives. But the great sadness that will engulf the hearts of people when he, when he's laid to rest in the, in the tomb. I, I, think that, I think that people can kind of grow with this if they will. And uh, We're going to keep talking about, about it, ladies and gentlemen, because I think it's one of the great solutions. Um, it, it's not just watching the movie that's the solution. It's, will it change your life? Will you let God prevail in your life is the real question on your radio. In message one, we said that Satan, the father of lies, John 8, gave the left evil spiritual power the more they used the lies. The political left today is the beast. Now the Bible confirms that the dragon gave him the beast his power. Revelation 13, 2. The extra evil spiritual power that comes from the beast by their lying is what accounts for the string of the leftist criminals in the government that have never yet been prosecuted. It also explains why American capitalists support communism in the 21st century. Note 1. That behavior of capitalists was predicted by Vladimir Lenin, a cell of the beast. Note 2. Henry Ford was a capitalist, and he would have never gone communist. The difference between Ford and the present-day, end-time capitalists is that Ford was born and educated in the Kingdom of Christ, 19th century America, the New Jerusalem, Revelation 21. As you all know, Roe versus Wade has resulted in some of the most permissive abortion laws anywhere in the world. For example, in the United States, it's one of only seven countries to allow elective late-term abortions, along with China, North Korea, and others. 
Right now, in a number of states, the laws allow a baby to be born from his or her mother's womb in the ninth month. It is wrong. It has to change. Americans are more and more pro-life. You see that all the time. In fact, only 12% of Americans support abortion on demand at any time. Under my administration, we will always defend the very first right in the Declaration of Independence, and that is the right to life. Dr. Scott Bradley, freedomsrisingsun.com, and myself, Sam Bushman, are discussing live on Memorial Day the incredible TV series, The Chosen. Uh, and you got to ask yourself, why haven't more people seen The Chosen? And it's interesting. I talked to some people, and I said, hey, you want to watch The Chosen with me? And they're like, nah, I'm not interested. I don't think so. It's just not my, not my thing. Uh, before you know it, though, they were kind of paying attention when I started to watch it. And before you know it, they sat down, and they said, you know what? This is surprising. This is really good. This is something that personalizes the Savior to me uh, in a way that I, that I struggle to get uh, when I read. It's hard for me to understand the culture, the life, the circumstances, the desperate need for his coming to earth and his mission. And, and, it, and it personalizes it and makes it real in a way that is hard to gain otherwise. Uh, and so this really is, uh, in my opinion, an opportunity to change the game for people, to understand more of the long game, to say, you know what? Yes, Jesus Christ will eventually return to uh, the world. Uh, but in the meantime, we can follow his teachings and follow the Prince of Peace. And that's what he has asked us really to do. And I get that we have to defend ourselves uh, sometimes. Sometimes war is the necessary evil. But nine times out of ten, we can follow the Prince of Peace. We can provide a peaceful solution. We can, we can find a, a better, more peaceful, kind way. We can learn to minister in our lives as he did in his. And we can learn to try to become like him. We can do it one day, one hour, one issue at a time. Sometimes we may backslide, but we can recover and we can keep at it and we can repent. And that is the sovereign solution to the problems we face. Dr. Bradley, I think tying this together on Memorial Day is in my opinion, the direction that we as a nation re most need of all, sir. You know, there's, again, so many strings to pull. Um, in one episode, I think it's in the first season, we get introduced to Nicodemus. And uh, was that one episode where, where both Matthew and Nicodemus were called. By the way, Matthew was a tax collector. He was Jewish. And the, uh, the Jewish tradition was to excommunicate a Jewish person they excommunicate, well, they cast them out from the synagogue, which is the same as excommunication. So Matthew was an excommunicated Jew that uh, Christ called as an apostle. And, and uh, I mean, everything's so engaging. It's like people don't realize that he called someone that the hierarchy felt was, was at fault. I mean, here's an excommunicated guy. He's in, his, he's, he's in the senior leadership of Christ's church. Nicodemus, I believe, you know, being in the Sanhedrin and, uh, going to Jesus at night and, you know, the, the conversation, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, those kinds of things, the blowing of the wind. And and it, it's I've always been of the opinion that Christ would have taken Nicodemus as one of his apostles had he been willing. And when he was called, 
in in this show it doesn't have an actual calling in the scriptures but he chose to not follow the young man for example now i haven't seen the young man that came to christ in the scriptures and said what do we need to do to get eternal life and christ told him and he said i've been doing these all christ loved the young man and he i believe at that time issued a call for him to come follow him and perhaps become one of his apostles but here's i guess where i'm going with this is calls are made and some are deflected and how many times are we called? Because and hold on, because God allows us our Don't agency Sam, you to choose to as we will. We do, but what I'm trying to say is make this personal, Sam. How many times are people called, and they say, "No, I'm, I want to go to Disneyland this world uh, this this time. I want to watch the football game. I want to do." I think we get callings all along, of calls to the Savior. And we deflect them, perhaps like Nicodemus did in this show, perhaps like the young man did in the scriptures, perhaps as others did when Christ had called them to his, to his side. And, and how many of us say, ah, it's not quite for me. And, and I think that there's, we need to give a reflection. And let me just go back for a second, just for a second, to that power of the word. That's why all the media is controlled with the same agenda. The Word is being controlled. Now, you say the power of the Word. Yes, the power of God is the Word that we've got to embrace, the power of His Word. But too many of us are listening to the world's Word, and, and we fail to hear the eternal message. That's what's destroying the nation. I mean, we've told God to get out of our schools, to get out of our government, to get out of our, the marketplace, to get out of our lives. And he said, okay. Okay. Now, I, I think he'll come back. Sometimes we may have to call him a few times. But, but we've stopped listening, largely, as a people. When he calls, we don't know his voice. We don't hear his voice. We, we just go on with our little workaday lives and what's in the newspaper or on the TV or whatever. And, and, and that power of the word, if we would allow our lives to hear them, could become the motivation of change. Christ really brought. It's like the still small voice of the Holy Ghost. It's not the brass band that's playing on the corner nowadays or in the parade or or leading the yo-yos that are our political leaders. No, it's not. It's not those entertainment leaders. It's not the the rock bands, whatever it's it's this quiet importuning that we need to listen to. And sometimes we need to ponder to do that. I guess that's where I'm going with this. I cannot understand how we can't get the message. This this little series is attempting to bring it. They've said, oh, you're going to be a military leader. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Not this time. Not this time around. Hmm, maybe the next time. But that's the problem. We fail to hear that word of God because we're not, we don't tune into it. I don't know. I think it's important to, to make that message today because today is brass bands in every way. And and the Word of God is oftentimes set aside. So, I don't know, Sam. Well, and that's, uh, why, that's why I tie this to agency, though. You know, when God gives us callings, He gives us an opportunity, but He does not force. And many people miss their callings because they aren't willing. 
And that's really the key of this series when it comes to following the Prince of Peace. Will you follow Christ? Will you take up the cross? Will you answer the call? Will you become a disciple of Jesus Christ? Will you do your best to live your life and let God prevail in your life is the, is the real kind of takeaway for me in this series. Oh, it makes it real. It makes it personal. It's educational as all get out. But it even kind of highlights this assertion that Nicodemus thought he healed uh, a woman who had seven demons. Turned out to be Mary Magdalene. Uh, and it but wasn't the Mary. Savior. Scripturally, that's false, by the way. There's nothing in the scriptures that indicate that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. And that no, I'm not, I'm not saying she was a prostitute. I'm, I'm talking about the seven demons, demons, though. Demons, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, but, so but, she had these demons. Nicodemus thought he was the one that healed her, but he didn't. Uh, and, and it was the Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, who did this. And, and so understand my, my point is that, look, folks, these are real things that happened in history. Uh, and these are uh, guidance, um, parables, stories, circumstances that we can bring forward and apply to our lives. All right. Is there a better way? When the world's in absolute turmoil, desperate situations, uh, do we have to just go to war and fight our way out of it? Or is there a better way? And I really think that's the point of the film and the point of the Savior's life is there's a better way. And, and we've got work to do, and it isn't to pick up the Patriot rifle and go to war. It is to remember on Memorial Day who we are. We are literally, according to the Bible, the offspring of God. And Jesus Christ was sent to the earth to create the ultimate sacrifice and was resurrected to bring all men unto him. He is the life, the way, the truth, the hope, the solution. Following the Prince of Peace is the way for us to spend our time. And I really think we can make a bigger difference in America by focusing on this point than any other thing. There's a gazillion books, a gazillion better mousetraps, uh, ideas written, whatever else. None of them compare to the solution we're talking about right now, Dr. Bradley. Absolutely true. And the, the fact of the matter is, though, and I, I talk to kids about this all the time, if you're in Salt Lake City and you, you want to go to Georgia, you can't start in Cincinnati. I mean, you are where you are. So we've got to pick up our lives where we are. We've got to start from where we are, and we've got to start improving on them from that place. You know, let's just take war, for example. We've got to pray that we're not going to take our, our nation's war-making powers lightly. We can't enter into it for frivolous reasons. I mean, this Memorial Day tying in. We need to pray that we'll not be deceived into diabolical machinations of, of war and all the other distractions that seem to be before us all the time. All of these diversions that, that nihilistically create uh, hopelessness we, we can't follow false impressions of, of the necessity of war or any of these falsehoods. We need to recognize where we are right now and, and kind of pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. I don't know how else to say it and say, I've got to start from where I am right now and I've got to start improving. I mean, and I, I'm not trying to say I'm ahead of anybody. What I'm trying to say is I need to do this and maybe other people might find it desirable for their own lives also you know uh, we've got to be good we've got to be wise we've got to be honest we've got to make popular the things that are sound and good and 
and try to make them the center of our lives, not just what the world, that power of the word. I mean, you know, again, coming back to that with you, God's power, God's word is, is what should be central. And the things that are before our eyes every day, every moment, uh, they're not God's word by and large. I mean, we have all sorts of machinations out there trying to divert us from the, the true path. And uh, there is a path, and it's well marked. I mean, whether it's going back to our proper government that God gave us originally or whether it's coming back into God's presence, there is a path. And uh, and we've got to be able to discern those kind of things. So uh, wisdom and understanding and, and going and looking at the map <laughs> – one last point before the end of the hour that I think this movie makes and I think that we ought to take on Memorial Day is it's easy in our mortal capacity to think that violence is the answer or to think that we must, you know, jettison or separate or divide or it's easy to think that because it's when, when you have this short sighted view that's just immortality, it's hard to see the bigger picture. But one of the great things this movie teaches and one of the great things that I think we need to take away from this is as we follow the Prince of Peace, we need to realize that God is in his heavens and there's an eternal realm. And so, you know what, this mortal, finite view that we have, we need to step back and trust God a little more, have a little more faith, have a little more hope, have a little more. Look, he didn't Chris and put us on the earth and do all these things for it to be a big epic meltdown failure destruction plan. No, there's a bigger picture, ladies and gentlemen. They understood it. That's why we celebrate Memorial Day, and that's why they sacrificed so much. But all the sacrifice that was made, ladies and gentlemen, is in similitude of the real sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I testify he sacrificed his life. He did rise from the dead. He lives, and he loves us. And I'm just telling you, the Chosen is a great depiction to help us realize and remember who we are and what the solutions really are. Dr. Bradley, thank you, sir. Have a wonderful holiday. And same to everyone that listens. LibertyRoundTable.com, LovingLiberty.net, BrideyOnRadio.com, FreedomsRisingSun.com for the incredible weekly webinars and more. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America.